Hello and welcome to Alert Radio for people who want to change the world. I'm Jeff Hughes. And I'm Chris Albee. And today on the program, we will have an extensive feature interview with Eve Engler. Now, he's the author of a book called Canada in Haiti, Waging War on the Poor Majority. He's going to talk to us about the situation that's happening right now, as well as give us some historical perspective on the uh, entire existence of the nation of Haiti, where there are terrible things happening. And we're also going to be hearing alert headlines. Music is the Weapon with Mitch Padalik. Around the Left in Seven Days. So, stay tuned for all of that. And more. And now for the alert headlines for the week of January 21st, 2010. The Red Cross in Haiti's capital, Port-au-Prince, estimates that at least 50,000 are dead after last Tuesday's devastating earthquake. Other estimates run as high as 200,000. Three million more, one-third of Haiti's population, have been hurt or left homeless. The distribution of humanitarian supplies to Haiti is being hampered by infrastructure damage, blocked roads, and severed communication lines. Reports are that those who survived the massive earthquake are now dying in huge numbers and clean water, food, and medical supplies are desperately needed. The United Nations G Secretary General Ban Ki-moon has described the situation in Haiti as the most serious humanitarian crisis faced by the United Nations in decades. Meanwhile, ousted Haitian President Jean-Bertrand Aristide spoke out from exile in South Africa, saying he is ready to leave today, tomorrow, at any time to join the people of Haiti to share in their suffering and help rebuild the country, moving from misery to poverty with dignity. Staying in Haiti, journalist and author Naomi Klein has warned that the situation in Haiti could lead to the disaster capitalism tactics seen in Southeast Asia after the 2004 tsunami. Klein warned that the tragedy should under no circumstances be used to further indebt Haiti and to push through unpopular corporist policies. Palestinians in Gaza are offering donations and financial support for the victims of Haiti's devastating earthquake. Aid agencies raising funds in Gaza said they feel for Haitians because they were exposed to their own earthquake during Israel's war on Gaza. A clash within the Canadian government's human rights agency has sparked allegations that conservative appointees are bringing Mideast politics into the arm's-length organization and has led four former presidents of rights and democracies to demand the prime minister preserve its independence. Former federal NDP leader Ed Broadbent, who was the agency's first president, said he believes Stephen Harper's government wants it to cut ties with any foreign group that criticizes Israel. Broadbent said conservatives are bringing Middle East politics directly into the heart of the center. There was never such interference before, he indicates. More than 3,000 people have been displaced in the Nigerian city of Jos as a result of violent fighting between Muslim and Christian youth gangs on Sunday, according to the Red Cross. Local authorities have not confirmed the number of casualties, but media reports put the death toll between 12 and 20. Security forces were deployed to patrol the city's streets today. The causes of the violence are not clear yet. Routers News Agency quotes residents who say the violence started after an argument over the rebuilding of homes destroyed in clashes in 2008, which killed at least 200 people. 
Chileans have elected Sebastián Piñera as their first right-wing president since the dictator Augusto Pinochet left office in 1990. Piñera beat former left-wing president Eduardo Frey, ending a 20-year rule by the center-left coalition which ousted Pinochet. Piñera's campaign capitalized on a widespread conviction that the government was being run by a cadre of political hacks. Canadian mining executives are lauding the Sunday election of Piñera and saying the mineral-rich and politically stable country will attract even more foreign mining investment under its new leader. Iraq has begun collecting signatures for a class-action lawsuit on behalf of people killed or wounded in incidents involving private U.S. security firm Blackwater. The office of Prime Minister Nouri al-Maliki said it will seek compensation for a number of incidents, including the 2007 killing of 17 Iraqis in Baghdad's Nasur Square. Last month, a U.S. judge dismissed charges against five Blackwater guards over those killings. The Obama administration sees a diminished role for the United Nations in trying to stop global warming after the Copenhagen Climate Change Summit. Instead, the administration has sketched out a future path for the negotiations dominated by the world's largest polluters, such as China, the U.S., India, Brazil, and South Africa, who signed up to a deal in the final hours of the summit. The administration did not exclude the UN from future negotiations, but repeatedly credited the group of leading economies headed by America for moving forward on the talks, including on finance and developing green technology. British folk singer and activist Billy Bragg has threatened to withhold tax payments unless the government stops banks using taxpayers' money to pay their employees big bonuses. Bragg criticized the Royal Bank of Scotland, who is set to pay investment bankers $1.5 billion in bonuses, despite agreeing to slash payouts during the recession. Bragg told reporters that he is no longer prepared to fund the excessive bonuses of investment bankers and shall be withholding his tax payment at the end of the month. An ABC News investigation has found coded references to Bible passages about Jesus Christ are inscribed on high-powered rifle sites provided to United States military in Iraq. The maker of the sites, Trijicon, has a $660 million multi-year contract to provide up to 800,000 sites to the Marine Corps. Trijicon confirmed to ABC News that it adds the biblical codes to the sites sold to the U.S. military. U.S. military rules specifically prohibit the proselytizing of any religion in Iraq or Afghanistan. And those are the alert headlines for the week of January 21st, 2010. And now around the left for January 21st to 30th. There are many things our MPs could be doing right now, maybe pressing our government and military for truth about Afghan detainees and accusations of torture, for instance. Instead, Harper insisted that Parliament be suspended until March. Time off for a job well done, right? Not quite. On January 25th, there will be Canada-wide demonstrations in protest of a prorogued Parliament. All demonstrations are planned to begin at 1 p.m. The Toronto Climate Campaign is hosting an evening of Copenhagen analysis and discussion for building a more vibrant climate change movement in Toronto. This public forum will be held at the United Steelworkers Hall, 25 Cecil Street, 
on January 28th in Toronto. Keynote speaker Clayton Thomas Muller of the Indigenous Environmental Network will be joined by representatives from Greenpeace Canada, the Canadian Youth Delegation, and the Steelworker Toronto Area Council. Admission is free and the discussion begins at 7 p.m. The Studies in Political Economy Annual Conference held at Carleton University on January 29th will feature the theme, Taking Stock, the Crisis and Political Change. Featured speakers include Stephanie Ross and her lessons from the Toronto Activist Assembly, Greg Elbow on the financial crisis, exit strategies and political resistance, and Andrew Biro on the response of international financial institutions to the crisis. The conference begins at 1 p.m. on January 29th in the Arts Lounge of Dunton Tower at Carleton University. The 2010 Olympics have been touted as the economic savior for the BC economy. But what is the long-term impact of investments such as a speed skating oval, a new sea-to-sky highway, the RAV line, and a $900 million security budget? These questions will be addressed by a panel on the economics of the 2010 Olympics that will take place on January 25th at the Calvary Baptist Church, 1803 First Avenue in Vancouver. Panelists include members from the Canadian Centre for Policy Alternatives, the Canadian Union of Public Employees, the Olympic Resistance Network and other community organisations. The discussions begin at 7pm. On January 27th, join author and activist Phil Wilayato at McMaster University for his talk entitled Media Myths on Iran. Will Ayato will discuss the myths promoted by Western media about Iran, myths intended to build consent for an attack on Iran in the same vein as Iraq. The lecture begins at 6.30 p.m. in room 607 at Chester Newhall, McMaster University in Hamilton. And that's Around the Left for January 21st to 30th, 2010. is co-author of the 2005 book, Canada in Haiti, Waging War on the Poor Majority. His latest book, published in 2009, is The Black Book of Canadian Foreign Policy. Welcome back to Alert Radio, Eve Engler. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming back. The devastating earthquake, the worst in 200 years, that struck Port-au-Prince on January 12th, toppled poorly constructed houses, hotels, hospitals, and even the capital city's main political buildings, including the presidential palace. An estimated 100 to 200,000 Haitians out of a total city population of 2 million may have died. While any large city in the world would have suffered extensive damage from an earthquake on the scale of the one that ravaged Haiti's capital city, the questions remain. Why did so many buildings collapse? Why were so many people killed? Why does the city's basic infrastructure, running water, electricity, roads, etc., remain woefully inadequate, often non-existent? We're going to put this question to you, Eve Angler. Why is the government's ability to mobilize any sort of disaster relief next to nil? What is it about Haiti, Haiti, its history, its government, its economy, that would explain the extent of this disaster and the government's impotence to deal with it? Eve Engler. Well, there's uh, there's very few countries in the world that have been subject to a um, more brutal form of uh, neo-imperialism over the past century than Haiti. Haiti has been a country that was occupied for 19 years from by the Americans from uh, 
talk about what happened in 2004 uh, a little later in the interview, but I'd like to ask you about what the occupation forces, the UN forces, have been doing in the last six years if they haven't been enforcing building codes, if they haven't been supporting infrastructure. What have they been up to? Well, the UN in Haiti should be really, should really be seen as a tool to uh, um, wage class war. The UN is their... Um, obviously, after the overthrow of the elected president in February 2004, um, and it's been its main function has been to uh, keep the population in check. Um, so, for instance, there was food riots about a year and a half ago, um, and uh, it was the UN troops that uh, put down um, um, some of these some of these food riots for people who, with the rise in price of, of grains and, and um, um, and uh, basic commodities, uh, starvation and stuff had, had increased, and there was quite uh, significant um, um, protests, and it was really the role of the UN troops, and they killed a, they killed a handful of demonstrators in putting down these protests. Um, there's obviously examples going back uh, to mid-2006 and earlier of quite brutal UN interventions into the slum neighborhoods uh, where there was uh, real opposition um, to the UN occupation, opposition to to the February 2004 coup. So the UN um, has been, I, I, in my estimation, largely a tool to wage class war against the majority poor in the country. Um, and right now we ha- we're in a situation where uh, there's a lot of focus on um, Haitians, uh, how Haitians are messed up and Haitian institutions are messed up, uh, yet 
the country has been occupied for six years, and very little of the blame um, for for the situation in Haiti is ever directed at um, the international force that has had uh, overwhelming power in the country. All the all the blame is directed at the Haitians, even though in to in large part Haitians uh, have taken a subservient role in their own country to 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 the international force over the past six years, and yet there's very little attention focused on the lack of um, advancement in any way uh, brought about by the UN force, and, and and I think that is because um, the UN force is not an international force, and the, the coup in February 2004 was not designed to uh, uh, help Haitians. Out. It was not designed to um, make people move forward from abject misery to uh, to poverty with dignity. Uh, the UN occupation is designed to to defend the interests of of the Haitian elite, as well as their uh, their international backers. Well, Eve, I'd like to ask you about uh, another event in 2004, the adverse weather that hit Cuba much harder than, than Haiti. Can you give us uh, some kind of sense, did the effects of this recent natural disaster have to be so acute? Was there any uh, precedent where, is there a way to prevent this kind of loss of life? Well, well first of all, in 1989 in, in San Francisco, there was a earthquake of uh, 6.9, I believe, on the Richter scale, with just a one point less than the seven seven point uh, earthquake that hit um, hit uh, hit Port-au-Prince uh, a week ago, uh, and uh, and in that case, I think it was 69 people that died in in. Uh, in San Francisco, um, so I think that uh, it's very clear that there's obviously a significant natural component uh, to this disaster, but there's also a, a political component. And 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 Haiti, uh, lots of there's been a fair bit of attention focused on recent um, tragedies, uh, so-called natural disasters in Haiti over the past handful of years. Um, the worst one uh, before this earthquake was in uh, in September 2004 when the, uh, Hurricane Jeanne hit. Um, uh, Gonaive in the north of the country, uh, which is, I think, the third biggest city in, in, in Haiti. Uh, and uh, as many as 2,000 people died. Um, when, when the hurricane, or should I say, when, when, the, um, when Jeanne hit uh, Haiti, it wasn't actually a hurricane. It was actually just a tropical storm. Um, despite that, a couple thousand people died. The same, uh, in, that, in this case, hurricane hit Cuba, um, days earlier, uh, and in that case, uh, four people died. And I think that's mostly tied to the fact that in Cuba, there was a governmental apparatus that was able to mobilize the population to evacuate um, people, uh, and that's because there's a, there's a functioning um, um, uh, governmental apparatus. It's a, it's a mostly functioning society, uh, which is obviously has its you know, historical roots in terms of uh, the Cuban Revolution, etc. Um, but there's a real contrast between how Haiti is almost completely incapable of uh, dealing with, responding, preventing um, um, so-called natural disasters, um, and where um, next to next to Cuba, which is much much more capable. And I think that there's a whole political history there. Uh, and I think uh, foreign foreign intervention into Haiti uh, is a is a big explanatory factor in, in the in the matter. Eve, I'd also like to ask you uh, very briefly before we move on to the current situation on the ground. Now, why do we keep hearing that the Haitian people are a proud people? Very briefly. Well, there's the. 
probably the greatest example of human liberation in the history of humanity was the Haitian Revolution of 1791 to 1804. It was a victory um, uh, not only against slavery, the first ever large-scale successful slave revolution in the history of humanity, but it was also a massive blow uh, to white supremacy and a, um, a uh, the notion of all humans being equal. That was really a Haitian uh, notion, not a not not didn't come up about in the French Revolution, as well as the Haitian Revolution was a victory against colonialism, defeating the French, British, and Spanish empires over a 13-year period between 1791 and 1804. Well, that's certainly not a part of the discussion today, but let's now move on to why aid distribution has been so slow in coming in. Uh, we're hearing tragic stories of people waiting for help in the city. <clears throat> Even though medical supplies, food, water, purification chemicals, and vehicles are piling up at the airports or the airport in Port-au-Prince, an email report received by the Canada-Haiti Action Network describes a city largely bereft of international aid. Quote, Thus far, the rescue teams cluster at the high-profile and safer walled sites and were literally afraid to enter the barrios, end quote. Uh, what's going on? What's holding up the aid, aid, even Engler? Well, the first thing is the U.S. has taken, the U.S. military has taken control of the uh, Toussaint Louverture Airport in Port-au-Prince, uh, and they have actually even diverted uh, many um, um, in case of Médecins Sans Frontières, they diverted two different Médecins Sans Frontières uh, um, uh, planes when the French foreign minister even complained that that the U.S. was occupying Haiti uh, because of these refusing to allow French um, uh, health products or medical products into the country. Uh, so the, there's been a militarization of aid. Uh, at the same time, uh, I think what we're seeing is the complete failure of the so-called non-governmental organization model. Haiti has the most NGOs of any country in the world per capita, as many as 10,000 NGOs uh, in the country. And the NGOs are generally all working in their own specific little project. There's, there's no sort of coordination. And, and they've uh, been quite a failure in terms of um, getting, any, getting any form of relief to, to the population. Uh, at this, concurrent with that is this massive um, class and and racial um, uh, bias, uh, and the sort of the focus has been on getting relief to people at the Hotel Montana, where a lot many internationals, foreign and foreign journalists stay at the UN compound. There's very little uh, uh, interest in going into the slum neighborhoods because the. Slum dwellers have been repeatedly for, for years, going back hundreds of years in some cases, but particularly over the past handful of years, have been vilified, demonized as criminals, bandits, chimères, um, and uh, there's this, this notion that, that it's dangerous to go in these neighborhoods, which I think is an almost entirely um, false uh, assessment of, of the situation. Um, and so you have a real prioritization of wealthier sectors in, in, in Poho Place, and particularly internationals who are receiving the search and rescue, while next door, um, certainly in the few days right after the, the earthquake, there was almost for sure many people still still alive in under rubble and yet were not getting any form of, of 
um, outside search and rescue, of course, Haitians themselves, um, with very little uh, uh, means, uh, mostly just by their bare hands, were did some amazing work in terms of rescuing people. And this whole notion that the the international community was kind of going to save um, Haitians is, is, is shown to be quite um, quite clearly uh, uh, wrong. And that in fact, most of the people who've been saved from the rubble have uh, have been saved by by other 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 poor Haitians. Now, moving on to the coup in 2004 that saw the U.S., Canada, France, and Brazil topple the elected government of Jean Bertrand Aristide. Can you explain exactly what Canada had to do with this? Well, 13 months before uh, Aristide was overthrown in February 29, 2004, 13 months before that, there was a meeting held um, just outside of Ottawa, uh, Meech Lake, uh, um, Canadian government, the Liberal government at the time, um, invited the uh, minister from uh, La Francophonie, from the uh, French government, um, uh, high-level officials from the Bush administration, Canadian minister uh, Denis Paradis, who was then Secretary of State for Latin America and Africa. Uh, and they, as was reported at the time, they decided that Aristide, uh, then the elected president, must go. Um, that was this was reported on by L'Actualité magazine, which is Quebec's equivalent um, to uh, McLean's, and this was reported on uh, a year before it hap- a year before it ultimately happened with the coup. Um, so Canada played a role, an important role, in consolidating the international forces that would overthrow uh, Aristide, and then Canada played a very important role in the post-coup um, dictatorship that 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 controlled Haiti for 25 months that was taken. Gerard Latortu, the interim prime minister, was taken from southern Florida and actually put in, put in power in, in, in Port-au-Prince. Um, thousands of people were killed. Canada, Canadian-trained uh, police, um, the former military, former Haitian military was reincorporated into, into this Canadian finance trained um, assisted justified police force that was responsible for many, many uh, uh, political uh, deaths. Uh, they would repeatedly fired on, on, on peaceful um, anti, anti-coup demonstrations. Um, and the Canadian government really, I mean, there was Canadian officials that were running the justice ministry um, while um, these were officials of our aid agency, CEDA, um, the Deputy Justice Minister, uh, while there were um, huge numbers of political prisoners, including the former Prime Minister, former Interior Minister, and many others, um, Canada really had its its uh, its hand in this brutal uh, imperial crime against the Haitian people. And and what we're seeing today, and obviously the UN occupation, 10,000 UN troops, um, that's that's um, that's uh, that that. The UN occupation begins with the the Canadian-backed coup of February 2004. It begs the question, is there oil under Haiti, or what's going on? Uh, No, I don't think there is. There are some suggestions that there there is oil deposits off the the coast. Um, I don't think that it's a matter of just a a natural resource grab. Uh, I think it's more about um, the fact that the Aristide government... Uh, which is far, far from a revolutionary government, in my opinion, it was a very modest um, social reform reformist uh, uh, reformer president. Um, but the RC government didn't completely follow the orders of Washington. That was particularly regarding um, the privatization of five state-owned companies uh, that 
and and the idea that Haiti, as uh, impoverished and 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 weak as it as it is and was, would not follow the orders, uh, is particularly troubling um, to the people who run um, run the run the empire. And so Haiti uh, not following orders was a was a bad example to the rest of uh, the rest of the hemisphere. Um, and uh, I think that's a major explanation for for why. Uh, Aristide was overthrown. Obviously, Ottawa, after not joining the U.S. invasion of Iraq, at least formally, not in joining the coalition of the willing, wanted to make up with with uh, Washington. But there's also um, a number of Canadian corporations that had some direct um, economic interests that benefited from the coup. For instance, um, the world's biggest blank T-shirt maker, Guild and Activewear, uh, Montreal-based Guild and Activewear, uh, was. Um, employed thousands, still employs thousands and thousands of people in Haiti. Some say is the second biggest employer in the country after after the state. Um, with just a couple of minutes left. I'd like to ask your ideas about what needs to be done, both now and over the long run, to help Haiti out of this disaster and to avoid another one. I'll put that question to you, Eve Engler, author of the book Canada and Haiti: Waging War on the Poor Majority. Go ahead. Well. First of all, I think immediately the relief effort needs to focus on the poor neighborhoods. We have, we have to stop no, no deport, deportations of Haitians, and we should increase um, immigration from Haiti, increase famil- familial immigration, re- re- familial reunification um, from Haiti. Uh, in general, what needs to be done in terms of um, Canadian support has to be Canadian aid that goes into the country has to stop being channeled through non-governmental organizations, which have played a really dis- destabilizing role in in Haiti, and it has to instead be channeled through um, um, governmental ministries that are elected governmental ministries that are trying to um, uh, redress um, the social ine- inequity, the poverty in the country. Um, and I think things like reforestation. Uh, there's obviously a massive problem of of deforestation. Ninety eight percent of the countries, and that's part of why the the hurricane in two thousand four, uh, where the tropical storm in Guinea was so horrible, is because of the deforestation. Um, Canadian support for uh, building a Haitian forest ministry that would employ um, the unemployed in terms of rebuilding uh, or in terms of planting, should I say, trees. That's one thing. Additionally, employing, putting money into employing, uh, obviously unemployment rates are, are sky high, 70% of the population. Um, putting money into employing Haitians in terms of uh, getting rid of the rubble, uh, rebuilding um, um, the country. But the general principle is that what Canadian aid goes into Haiti needs to be about supporting Haitian capacity that will in large part, primarily be in terms of supporting um, the Haitian Haitian government, Haitian ministries. Um, but after, or as part of that process, I think there's a there's a there has to be a question of of Canada simply getting out. Uh, stop. This is enough of Washington and Ottawa trying to decide uh, what's good for Haitians, what's what you know what we want to see uh, take place in the country, and allow Haitians um, to to decide what. Uh, what they want for their country, and let them organize um, to figure to figure out what they what they desire. We're going to have to leave it there. This is Alert Radio for people who want to change the world. I'm Jeff Hughes, and I want to ask Eve. I want to thank you and direct our listeners to where they can follow you on the internet. 
Well, you can go to the Canada uh, Haiti Action .ca website, which is the Canada Haiti Action Network's, uh, um, which is a pan-Canadian uh, solidarity network website. Uh, in terms of my own personal writing, uh, uh, usually it uh, appears on zmag.org. Uh, Once again, thank you for joining us on Alert Radio, Eve Engler. Thanks for having me. This is Alert Radio for people who want to change the world. I'm Jeff Hughes. Haitian hip-hop artist Jimmy O is one of the casualties of the 7.0 magnitude earthquake that shook Haiti on January 12th. Jimmy O worked for Wyclef Jean's charitable organization, Yella Haiti, which has been in the news this week for its disaster relief efforts in the earthquake-ravaged nation. Jimmy O was preparing to release his debut album, Destiny, featuring an impressive list of special guests, including Wyclef Jean. And now music from Jimmy O. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. They call me Jimmy fucking O. Sakase records, nigga. Yeah, we're fugina kala. And you're the ambinics because my private life. Yeah, VPVM. Yeah. Moi songe longtemps, j'aime tes qu'on a vécu des grands moments, des bons moments. Pas j'aime pas ces moments de l'autre à chercher ton pèrement. À cette époque, maman t'es aux États-Unis, moi t'es Haïti, t'es vif de vous sortir baby. Cool t'as des moins sortis, deux trois êtres passés. Avant d'entrer, faut me dire non à tes scores tombés. À faire jean, tennis capi, mais au plus moi même t'es fruit. Na base moi c'est moi t'es tête de série. Une bagarre qui t'es plus fait mieux. Toutes ces amis comme t'es gagné, t'es mettre ta vie t'es bien. C'est la cabre et au vin fait basac moins. Et une chose qui t'es plus belle et encore plus réelle, t'es un dôme. C'était toujours féminin pluriel. Tout côté m'était qu'on passe. L'autre toujours à plonger. Tout pas mon petit. C'est un coup de tête pour petit toyer. Parfois m'qu'on a pensé, m'qu'on a m'examiné. Après, fait l'année de même comme un vin balvin fricturé. Mais une chose qui pas de finalité avant m'te prendre l'année. Quelques jours côté, je m'en m'te venu fermé. Tout ça m'fait vivre contre moi. Ma vie de monde pour contre moi. M'casse pied pour talon pour m'te qu'à entrer dans l'autre monde. Et une bagaille qui t'es plus fait mal. Pendant m'te fait problème, tout ces amis t'avaient pas de gagne qui t'es qu'en fait avec m'chi. Take that, take that, take that. Oh shit, wanna hide? Here come. Oh shit, take that, take that. C'est pas Respectez hip hop créole là. Yeah, yeah. Si nous pas respecter hip hop créole, on uh -huh. a fait week club fâché, nous pas voulu faire fâché parce que depuis fâché, on attendait. Babylon Remix. Babylon Remix. Yo, I feel like you're like me, we clap with big dread, yo. So I feel like we don't have to be dread, we'll be Rasta. Shit! Babylon, 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 Babylon. Get full pose. Sin pa pose, l'after de rap. Pap gen humilité, pap gen sécurité. Pays non en danger, même machin pistachon. Neg yo kidnappé, sinon pa pose. Pays en apprend du feu. Rocket launcher, pot au prince, ça peut exploser. Yes, 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 y
da Babilônia. Eu nem sou só um boy, eu nem sou só um bad boy, eu nem sou só um insta boy. Ma sorte en Asie, ma sorte en Europe Ma vie en Amérique, même quand on a su mon sot Afrika C'est dans ça, m'te poté depuis m'te tout petit Jusqu'à ce que m'grandi m'vi n'aime si n'en rap Yopra m'ta kondji yopi Chaque jour passé, son autre jour krivé Toi qu'a ici, y'a toujours à mourir mort Prématuré, police, mette tes amis Yopi, mette tes amis, mette tes amis Yopi, mette tes pays à l'empêche, m'en ramasser En l'autre méché, à propre yeux M'kon wet, si j'ai mette mourir by the gun Et petit film, dans ces pibel cadeaux M'en botte tes cabans, t'en prison Ma prison Je ne grâce de poser gun Parce qu'il y a 13 ans, je voulais Ouais, premier petit ménage, la peau de bande Ou même si ils sont ou boy Et ou même tous, ils sont bad boy Et ou même si ils sont insta boy Off the Babylon Ou même si ils sont ou boy Et ou même tous, ils sont bad boy Et ou même si ils sont insta boy Les 10 heures du soir, moi t'es dans le pète cafoua Chaudi, expédition chaudi avec Wawa Yenek qui t'a boué tafia, ça t'a Gant, diamant tout qu'on paye, yannek t'a chaché Filim pour bat Naila, et ou qu'on aime pas karete Gye madame ou gye petit, si t'es m'pas entré M'garantie ou c'est pas fermé Moi non de Oulisma, non de Poitjekisma Et nan non on de Babylone, et ou qui n'ou master Pendant que m'ap maché, m'don non fwa dit quand ou brale Mad ou m'entendie, dye, isse avant m'ap ale T'es gye t'en fais Je m'couvre, t'es gêne t'en fait, m'soude, m'houde, m'goute Ou même si c'est un boy Ou même si c'est un bad boy Ou même si c'est un gangsta boy Shit, shit, shit Off the Babylon Ou même si c'est un boy Ou même si c'est un bad boy Ou même si c'est un gangsta boy Yeah, yeah And today's show is about the sea, about the ocean, and about the people who work there, and about the people who play there, and about the people who live there. A few years ago, I remember watching on television a, sh a shipwreck on, on TV. It was, a, it was a ferry, a passenger ferry, going back to England full of summer tourists, and uh, the boat sank. The boat was called the Herald of Free Enterprise, and I remember going, ha ha, look at that. But 150 passengers died, and 38 crew members died, and it, it is the ocean. And the ocean takes, and the ocean gives, 
and this time the ocean took away. Here is Roy Bailey singing The Herald of Free Enterprise. Sun goes down now across the sea. We're homeward bound and now and on the duty free. The harbor's quiet and the kids asleep, tired out from Europe on the cheap. There are no poor now. We all have cars They're parked down below now Well, we took off the stars On television If not the sky The ocean moves us We don't ask why We feel the ship slip From the land we're pleased our trip went Just like we planned We see the lights Along the shore Not the overworked crew Not the open door And in the cruel dark sea Our lives go down In Zeebrugge Harbour all night we drown Now the owners grow old While we all die young With the blue murder Stuck in our lungs Cause the ship we sail And the flag she flies It is the herald Of free enterprise Yes, the ship we sail And the flag she flies It is the herald Of free enterprise And they can salvage a ship Up from the bottom of the sea Recycle pop stars To sing Let It Be Sell lorries for scrap Whitewash the company But they can make no more Money out of me And each life lost Much loved, much missed And all of our lives are on Some passenger list It's too late for Mayday You sink too fast when the profits come first And people's losses come last And the ship we sail And the flag she flies It is the herald Of free enterprise Yes, the ship we sail And the flag she flies It is the herald Yes, the ship we sail And the flag she flies It is the herald Of free enterprise And the ship we sail And the flag
like she flies. That was Roy Bailey with the Herald of Free Enterprise. Now we're going to hear one of my very favorite lifetime folk songs. Well, it's not really a folk song. It was written by legend, folk legend Ewan McCall for a BBC television show about fishing. This is a song that celebrates the joy of being a fisherman. Here is Ewan McCall with the Shoals of Herring. With our nets and gear we're faring On the wild and wasteful ocean It's there on the deep that we harvest and reap our bread As we hunt the bonny shows of Paris Oh, it was a fine and a pleasant day Out of Yarmouth Harbor I was faring as a cabin boy on a sailing locker For to go and hunt the shoals of herring Oh, the work was hard and the hours were long And the treatment sure it took some bearing there was little kindness and the kicks were many As we hunted for the shoals of herring Oh, we fished the sword and the broken bank I was cook and died a quarter sharing and I used to sleep standing on my feet And I dream about the shoals of Heron Well, we left the home grounds in the month of June And to canny shields we soon was barren with a hundred crown of the silver darlings That we'd taken from the shoals of Herring Now you're up on deck, you're a fisherman You can swear and show a manly bearing Take your turn on watch with the other fellas While you're following the shoals of Herring In the stormy seas and the living dales just to earn your daily bread you're daring From the Dover Straits to the Faroe Islands While you're following the shoals of Herring Well I earned me keep and I paid me way 
And I earned the gear that I was wearing Sailed a million miles, caught ten million fishes We was following the shoals of Herring That was Ewan McCall singing The Shoals of Herring, a song about celebrating the life of fishermen. Now we're going to hear about the hard time fishermen have. Here is Finest Kind with No More Fish. Out along the harbor reach Boats stand dried up on the beach Ghosts like in the early dawn Empty now the fish are gone What will become of people now Try to build a life somehow Hard, hard times are back again No more fish, no fishermen no more shoppers in the stores Since the fish plant closed its doors Men who walked the trawler's decks Now line up for welfare checks There's big for sale signs everywhere Pockets empty, cupboards bare See it on the news at ten No more fish, no fishermen Once from ship called to Cape Race Port a mask to Harbour Grace Newfoundlanders fished for cod Owing merchants trusting God They filled their dories twice a day They fished their poor sweet lives away They could not imagine them no more fish, no fishermen. Back before the Second War, we could catch our fish in shore. Boats were small and gear was rough. We caught fish but left enough. And now there's no more fish Because the trawler fleets took all there was We could see it coming then No more fish, no fishermen Farewell now to Sage and Flake Get out for the children's sake Leave all friends and kin behind Take whatever job you find 
There's some that say things aren't so black. They say the fish will all come back. Who'll be here to catch them then? No more fish, no fisherman. How still lies the bay in the light western airs? Which blow from the crimson horizon. Once more we tack home with a dry, empty hold, saving gas with the breezes so fair. She's a kindly Cape Islander, old but still sound, but so lost in the long rider's shadow. Make and break and make do, but the fish are so few that she won't be replaced should she founder. It's so hard to not think of before the big war when the cod went so cheap but so plenty. Foreign trawlers go by now with long-seeing eyes, taking all where we seldom take any. And the young folk don't stay with the fishermen's way. Long ago they all moved to the cities, and the ones left behind old and tired. And work for a pound, for a penny. In make and break harbor, the boats are so few, too many are pulled up and rotten. Most houses stand empty, old nets hung to dry are blown away, lost. And forgotten. Now I can see the big draggers have stirred up the bay, leaving lobster traps smashed on the bottom. Can they think it don't pay to respect the old ways that make and break men have not forgotten? For we still keep our time to the turn of the tide. And this boat that I built with my father still lifts to the sky. One longer, and I still talk like old friends on the water. In make and break harbor, the boats are so few, too many are pulled up and dropped. Most houses stand empty, 
Old nets hung to dry are blown away, lost and forgotten. In bait and break harbor, the boats are so few, too many are pulled up and rotten. Most towns stand empty, old nets hung to dry. Are blown away, lost and forgotten. That was Stan Rogers with his classic "Make and Break Harbor," and before that, finest kind with "No More Fish, No More Fishermen." I'm Mitch Podolik. That's it for this week, folks. See you next week. And that is Alert Radio for January 21st, 2010. I'm Jeff Hughes. And I'm Chris Albee. And we hope that you'll join us again next week. See you then. Our thanks as usual to executive producer and publisher of Canadian Dimension Magazine, Saigonic. And Tommy Allen, senior technical producer. Our intern technician, Selena Serbinuk. Our alert headline writer, Chris Webb. Around the Left in Seven Days comes to us from Ben Wood. And of course, Mitch Badalik with Music is the Weapon. Alert Radio is a production of Canadian Dimension Magazine. And you can hear it in 12 cities across the country in community and campus radio stations. You can also log on to rabble.ca or canadiandimension.com. And if you'd like to send us your ideas, comments, or suggestions, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at alert at canadiandimension.com. We'd like to remind Alert listeners that the current issue of Canadian Dimension Magazines is now on newsstands. For a glimpse of the articles and content, check out CanadianDimension.com. Yeah.